Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Relationships Rock. Today, we have in the studio the one, the only, Miriam Zaitlin. Welcome. Hi, I am so thrilled to be here again recording with you because it's always a blast. And excited to see where this next hour takes us. Yeah. And, you know, for those of you that have been around, Miriam has been with us before. We spoke about green flags and red flags and yellow flags. We spoke about expectations for dating. And today we're actually kind of segueing past Shidokem, like after Shidokem. And we're going to be talking about probably the most requested topic, Shana Rishona, the first year of marriage. I've gotten so many requests. Could you do engagement period? Could you do married life? But I, I will say, even if you're single, you're going to gain so many rocks and, and, and really gems from this conversation because we're talking about setting up the foundation. What can you expect from Shana Rishona? And then at the end, we're actually taking questions that you guys submitted about it. Yeah, so like you said, even if you're still single, all this advice is for relationships. So you're building a relationship now while dating. So listen up because this is for you, even if you're single. Yeah, and for those of you that don't know, and perhaps you know Miriam and I as just wearing our, our dating coach hats, we also do relationship coaching, we do intimacy coaching. I know Miriam is also a college teacher. And, you know, we're coming at it with all of this knowledge and expertise. So let's kind of set the tone. What is the first year of marriage? You know, when people say to you, like, Shana Rishona, how, how would you kind of, like, define that year for people? So the term Shana Rishona actually has a very bad rep because people think, oh, my goodness, Shana Rishona. But I want to tell you something. Yes, there's a lot of adjustment and there's a lot of things to get used to, but it's so fresh and it's so new and it's so magical and exciting. You just have to learn and we're gonna teach you how to balance the two, the freshness, the excitement, plus the adjustment. That's that's really how you have to look at it from both angles, just learning how to balance both of them together. Yeah, and I will say, you know, whenever I speak to married couples later down the line, three, five years, 10 years, a lot of the issues they're having all kind of stem from either miscommunication or things that happened really early on in the foundation of the marriage. The thing is, like Miriam said, it's such a fun year. It really is a fun year that there are things that could come up that you kind of just say, oh, whatever, we'll sweep it under the rug or, you know, we're not really going to address it. I do want to also mention for those that did struggle in Shana Rishona or perhaps will, I remember I had a good friend of mine who told me the first year of marriage is the worst year and then it gets progressively better. And I remember she told me this in, in my Shana Rishona and I actually appreciated that because I feel like it was a huge adjustment. It is a huge adjustment and it does get better. You know, even if it is so fun in the moment, there are parts of it that are difficult. Right, so I'm glad that she gave you that education because we want to normalize that there are certain difficult parts of Shana Rishona, but I don't want you to go into marriage thinking this is going to be a dreadful year because the parts that are fresh and exciting, that sort of, you know, fizzles out and that's what you don't want. So you know, I don't want you to think it's going to be a terrible year. I want you to bottle all that freshness and excitement, bottle it up and keep that for the rest of your life. The difficulty, yeah, that can go away. 
I love that. So let's talk about what are like the best parts of Shana Vishona and what are the more challenging parts of Shana Vishona? So the best parts, obviously, you know, you married this person for a reason, right? You fell in love and it's, it's, you're still in the la 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 honeymoon stage where everything, you know, is, is amazing in certain ways. The physical aspect of marriage is new and that's exciting. You're building a life together. You're, um, you know, for, for many people, it's exciting because they're going out of their parents' house and they're, building a home together with somebody new. That I think is the exciting part. But as we'll talk about later in this episode, the adjustment can be a little bit tricky for some, but we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, I also want to add in terms of, you know, the best part of it is that you have been building up for this, you know, depending on how long you've been dating for. This is what you have been working towards and and, the, and your journey. And there's almost this feeling of like, Phew, okay, fine. I finally, I got there, you know, like, like we've reached the top of the mountain and it can be a little daunting sometimes when you get to the top and you're like, wait, we have work to do, you know, like where, where, where did that kind of sneak in? But there is this, you know, it's all new and exciting. And it's um, even just from being, picking out your China and decorating your home, <laughs> you know, like all of that. To just, just spending, oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> to spending all this time together with this person, like you said, obviously, the whole physical aspect, which is so new. And, you know, when I did the Kala teacher episode, I mentioned whatever it is in the beginning, it will not stay like that. It should always, you know, get better and better. And yet there's something very special about it in the beginning as well, you know, in terms of it being so, so new and exciting, even if it's not as good as it's going to be, you know, many years down the line later. For sure. That's why I said you want to bottle up the freshness and excitement, but I want you to realize something that in certain ways, marriage gets better because as you get to know each other more, there's a certain comfort and a certain um, education that you get just from living with the person. And in that aspect, it definitely gets better. Just knowing the person more. Definitely. Let's talk about some of the more common things that come up that maybe are a little bit difficult to kind of adjust to when you're starting off your life together. So, yeah, I thought about a couple of things, you know, you fall madly in love and you think like, oh, we're so similar and we're exactly the same and you're going to get married and everything's going to be perfect. But what you have to realize is that you both grew up in different homes, in different environments. So things that can be normal to you, may seem strange to them. For example, I'll give you a few examples. Let's say in one home, birthdays are a big deal. And in your home, like, what's a birthday? So it's, let's say your birthday comes and you're waiting for your spouse to do something major for you. And they just say, happy birthday. They may buy you a card or whatever, but it's not a big deal. And you're feeling like, don't they care about me? Or another silly example can be like, who takes out the garbage in your house, right? You get married and first day, second day, third day, the garbage is sitting, sitting, sitting because in one house, the wife took it out and the other house, the, the husband took it out. So each of you are expecting the other one to take it out. So that's what you said before about communication. If you just learn to communicate and say, hey, in my house, I was used to, um, the mom took it out, but maybe by you, it was different. Let's talk about that. You know, you, you both grew up in different environments. 
Yeah, so I would say like the number one thing is communication. And by the way, as I'm sure Miriam knows, it's a life work. Like it's not just the first year. And, you know, I actually encourage singles, couples, especially once they're dating seriously or they're engaged, to have these conversations about expectations. How do you want to celebrate a milestone? What are you envisioning for, you know, for a birthday? Um, this is going to sound crazy, but I actually heard a story where the guy, his family never celebrated birthdays. And he was like very hurt by it. And he really wanted his wife to celebrate it, but he didn't say it. And um, she didn't because her family birthdays were not a big deal. And he spent the whole night crying. And she was like, why is he crying, Raquel? Like she was so confused of like, and then he felt horrible that he was crying the whole night. This is like a 20 something year old guy, you know? But it was very emotional because it was triggering from childhood. Again, these examples might sound to you like, what are you guys making a big deal out of? But it's the small things that make the biggest difference. And, you know, I always tell people, if you didn't say it, he or she did not hear it. You know, Absolutely. if you have a certain, reason. exactly. And if you have a certain expectation of, um, and by the way, by, while, while still keeping it feminine, you know, you can express what you want. I would love to go out to eat for my birthday. You're not dominating. You're not saying where you want to go. You're not telling him any jewelry. You know, you're saying, I would love to receive a gift for my birthday just to express what you want and to be on the same page. But all of these things I think are important to discuss before you get married. But let's say you didn't discuss them and you are married and they come up, express what you want. What's your expectation? And most of the time when people have arguments, it's because their expectations were just different. They had different expectations over the same thing. So a hundred percent that that's why it all falls back to you both were raised in different environments and what one did in one house, the other one possibly never even heard about. So absolutely. It's all about communication. If you see something that um, seems a little strange to you, ask, never assume, always ask. Yeah. And I think it goes for dating also, by the way, side point for everyone who's listening. And, you know, we make yeah. assumptions and, and I get it. Um, but I feel like you have to approach dating and life and marriage with, you're not sitting there taking strikes out of people. You know, you're trying to communicate, to understand. You're trying to get to know the person. The only way you can do that is by communicating. Um, you know, I've discussed this before in a different episode, the idea of your first language. The home that you grew up in is your first language. That to you is what's normal. You know, that to you is what... Like you said, in my home, my mother took out the garbage. That's just what, what what the woman does. And this is where you have to have a conversation, ideally before marriage, of what is our second language? What's the home that we're going to build, right? What are we envisioning together? And a lot of that is discussing communication, expectations, gender roles, even something like how to argue. You know, whatever you saw in your home, that's what's normal to you. Right. So I want to just add what you say. I think it's brilliant to try to communicate, you know, all these things before marriage. But if you're not married, you may not even realize what there is to discuss. You may not realize how different your upbringings were in, in small things. We're not talking about the big picture items. We're not talking about the major hashkafa or this or that. It's the small everyday things that really make the marriage and you might not even think of it before so while talking about it before is great if it doesn't happen communicate it during the marriage as they come up 
Totally. And it's impossible to predict. So, you know, what we're saying is the big things try to discuss beforehand. If you didn't get there, communicate in the marriage. And if you have a certain expectation, let's say you had an idea in your head, what our first shop is at home is going to look like. He's going to bring me flowers. And this is a typical example. And, <laughs> and, and she's going to make me, you know, my mom's uh, kugel that she makes. But this wasn't communicated. If you didn't say it, he or she didn't hear it. So, and I know that it's so awkward. It's so awkward in the beginning to communicate things. I know that. And that's part of why when you're dating, you developing that communication is so important. You know, what I've had people say to me, can I just text him that, Raquel? Like, do I have to have a conversation? And I'm like, no, you cannot just text it to him because <laughs> I I'm know so it's this texting. I know, and it is easier to text. But are you going to be texting your husband also? No, you're going to have to learn how to push through the discomfort and have a conversation. And it will always lead to more closeness and understanding. So the first issue that, you know, that could come up is communication. What would be number two, like on your list? So you you touched on it before a little bit. It's the expectation. If you go into marriage with the expectation that my spouse is going to do everything for me and I'm here just for the ride and everything is going to be rosy and everything's going to be perfect, you're setting yourself up for failure. If you go in with the expectation that I'm here to build a life of unity and oneness with this person. And, you know, a lot of people um, say that marriage, you're turning me into we. But really, the correct way is me into you, because in marriage, you have to be other focused. You have to focus on your spouse. If you're each focusing on each other, you're both going to be happy. But you have to go into marriage with that expectation of really being there for your spouse, whatever they need. That's the correct expectation. I love that. And for those of you listening that know me, hashtag, you also have to love yourself. <laughs> it's so important. You you still are a me, you know, in the relationship. A hundred percent. Nobody should be a doormat. And when I say you're turning me into you, a thousand percent. And this is going back to communication. If there's something bothering you, if there's something that you need, you need to learn to voice your needs. Absolutely. But you can't be in the marriage just for yourself. That that was my point. Yeah. And I think a lot of mistakes that we make sometimes is, you know, when you look at marriage as kind of like the end goal. So when you finally get there, you're like, oh, I can breathe. I don't have to work anymore. Like, I don't, I, you know, and this happens a lot more, by the way, for the guys, if anyone's listening, where they feel like, okay, like I want her over, like I'm done. Like I, I, I did my courting. I did my, my wooing. And now she's like, wait, where's all the nice things you were doing? Where are the flowers? Where's the, the dates? I still want to do, I still want to keep dating in the marriage. And, you know, I, I think what I would encourage anyone listening is, you know, to love is to give. You have to keep giving. Even if you're already married, even if you won the girl, even if she's so happy to be married to you, you have to keep giving to each other, not just in the first year of marriage, but throughout. Absolutely. It's it's really, um, like you said, dating should be continued throughout life. It's not just like, 
I dated, I won the guy, I won the girl, and I'm done. Yeah, absolutely. Giving, giving, giving. That's that's the key. And by the way, just because I mentioned it, date night could actually sometimes be something people argue about because of expectations. Because the girl might say, well, we used to go out to eat all the time. I want to keep going out to eat all the time. And he might say, but we're married now. I want you to cook for me. You know, so again, it's That's it's that one. communication piece. Yeah. These are all little examples, guys. Like if, for those of you that are married, you're probably like nodding your head. Like, yeah, that happened to me early on. And for those of you that are not, are probably like, I don't know what she's talking about. Or, oh, I could see that. Um, but it's always the the small things. Actually, one of my favorite gifts to give Kalas is, so I love home goods. I could probably spend like a whole day in home goods and buy the whole thing out. And I find all of these like little things, like like little cooking supplies and like a tiny brush and whatever. And I put it all together and I say, because it's the small things that make the biggest difference. Oh, I and love that. I love that. That's great. If anyone listening could start taking that gift. I just find it to be meaningful and cute, but it also gives a message. And the message is, it's the little things. And when the little bumps come early on, I know the easiest thing is to ignore them. I know it can be a little awkward or you don't even know how to say to somebody, hey, I didn't like that. I felt uncomfortable. I know it's a hard thing to say, or I would love something. It's like, wait, uh, how do I say that? But it's, it's, it is important to communicate. Absolutely. And you say it in a way, not attacking the other person. You're like, I need this or I feel this. It's not about you. It's about how I'm feeling. It's not, I'm, you're not attacking the person. Okay, so what would be like the number three thing that comes up? So we said communication, expectations. What's like another bump in the road or or topic that, that kind of comes up early on that could lead to conflict? So I, I think the third thing would be, um, you know, for a lot of people, they're used to having their independence. They're not used to having somebody around all the time. So it's a matter of finding the balance between Obviously, you need to spend time with your spouse because you need to build a marriage and that is crucial, but you also need some space. You need some alone time as well. You need to um, continue with your hobbies, your interests. Don't give everything up just because you're married. So very, very important balance. Spending enough time together, building a marriage, building the relationship, but also having some alone time to continue with your interests, hobbies, and, and things that you were interested in before the marriage. That I think is is the third thing. A hundred percent. And I want to bring up two, you know, different points. One is for those that get married a little bit later in life, whatever later means to you, you know, for some people later could be 24, for some people later could be 30 or 35. The longer you have been living single and you're used to having things your way in terms of you don't have to tell me when you're coming home or respond to anyone, or you're used to a certain independence, whether it is with your time, or as we're going to discuss in a little bit with money, money ends up being, you know, like a big thing also. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I have to make decisions with somebody. I have to ask or discuss before I spend when I was used to having a certain spending habit. It can be really challenging. And especially because when you're an older single who feels like I should be happy that I'm getting married and all of a sudden I'm struggling with this, but I miss my single life. And I can't tell you how many times when I have spoken to, again, I use older singles like in quotations because like it really depends on, on what you consider older or what your community considers older. Um, they really feel very embarrassed to say, I'm not sure if I'm happy. Like I'm struggling. 
Like I, I, I miss being single and, and they hate saying that because they have friends who are doing, would wish to be married and they were dominating for whatever number of years. And it's this kind of like struggle, right? We need to normalize the struggle. We really need to normalize it because they're not mutually exclusive. You could be thrilled to have gotten married, but it's still a big adjustment. So let's normalize the struggle for sure. Yeah. And I think specifically with independence, it's so important to still have friends while at the same time acknowledging that probably the first few months you're going to be very reclusive. And, you know, I know from the other side of the the friends who kind of get quote unquote left behind, like they're not the ones who are getting married. It can be very hurtful to you. We're used to spending a lot of time with one friend and now she's married and look, a newlywed couple, it's called Chana Rishona for a year. It is special there is this kind of like cocoon that you go under and um, that's, that's beautiful. It's something that's supposed to be like that, right? You're infatuated. You're so excited to spend time together. Every moment is like, and by the way, if it's not the case for you, that's okay. Like, <laughs> but I'm saying for the most part, there is this feeling of at least for the first couple of months, you want to just be with this person. What happens afterwards is, you know, um, you know, people always say you should marry your best friend. And I, I laugh. I'm like, you're not marrying your best friend. I mean, if you think about how many girlfriends a woman has to fulfill her emotional needs, and you're expecting a man to fulfill the emotional needs of five friends, it's not happening. It's a really unique relationship, but it's not your best friend. You still need friends. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I'm just agreeing with you about needing friends. And while you may not spend as much time with your friends as you did before. Don't forget about your single friends. But I, I want to talk about what you said about the best friend. I couldn't agree with you more. People have this expectation. And I, I feel like it's more with women expecting from their husbands. I feel like, yeah, I'm generalizing, but it, it's usually more with this. You know why? Because it's, it's that emotional component. They feel like he's going to understand me completely i'm like he's a man like how is he gonna understand you completely he's not but you know it's, it's like a balance yeah yeah so your husband is not necessarily your best friend he, he like you said he can't fulfill everything for you so very important to still keep up with your friends and use your girlfriends or guy friends whatever gender you are for the things that you're not necessarily getting from your spouse. And just because your spouse is not giving you everything doesn't mean they're not a good husband or wife to you. You know, everybody gives in their love own. that you're saying that love that you're saying that. And, and I think that that stems from this expectation of I'm going to get married and this person is going to make me happy, right? They're going to fulfill all of my needs and wants. And this is why I'm such like, a, I always put in love yourself and take care of yourself your husband's job or your spouse's job is not to make you happy. That please, is your that again, please. Say that again, please. So important. Yeah. Your spouse's job is not to make you happy. It is not their responsibility. Do they add to your happiness? Of course. Should they want to give to you? Of course. But the moment that you give over the responsibility of your happiness to somebody else, you, you are setting yourself up for failure. Because no other person is responsible but you to, to take care of your own needs. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to add this here. Sometimes when, when I speak to women who are, who are married and they're unhappy in their marriage, right? And then they'll say to me, I'm just not happy with him. 
And I say to them, let's break it up. I'm not happy and I'm with him. You're not happy. Something was lost in translation. And by the way, for all any woman listening here, it is so hard to take care of yourself, especially when there's little kids. And in marriage, I think women more than men kind of lose themselves sometimes in marriage. It's so common. You should not feel guilty about it. But I do think a lot of times when we say we're unhappy in a marriage, what we're really saying is I'm not happy. And I happen to be married with him. I'm not talking about crazy situations. I'm talking about like he's a normal good guy. You just kind of like feel I'm not happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you touched on it for a second over here. It's a, a lot of the self-care when that gets thrown out the window or because you're so busy with life and you forget about taking care of yourself, that's what happens. So very often the happiness that you're searching for and blaming your spouse for not giving you, it's because you're not taking care of yourself. And actually something that I recommend and I, I do, you know, I, I always say whatever advice I give, like I, 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 I model it is um, I go on a date by myself um, once a week. And it's, <laughs> I, I do, I happen I to love, love reading. Um, yeah. And I literally read Harry Potter over and over again. Like I've probably read it over like a million times. I, I don't, I don't even get new books. So like randomly I'll find like something in Barnes and Noble or whatever, but I get a coffee, I just read. And for me, it just kind of gives me this like boost of like, okay, like I just, I enjoyed it. There, there was no purpose to it. I'm not studying for anything. It wasn't like I'm working towards something. It was just time that was selfish and I loved every single part of it. <laughs> and it was just for me. It's actually, you know, I, I suggest this to my dating coaching clients, learning to spend time with yourself. It's kind of like learning to date yourself and know yourself is a prerequisite of any relationship. So I love that you said that because it really, really is so important to be able to spend time with yourself. Because if you're the type of person that constantly needs people around, you're going to have these very unhealthy expectations of your spouse to constantly be there for you. And it's impossible. So I, I love that you said that. Yeah, total side point for those of you that do not have Miriam Zaitlin on your status. She always posts like the best little video clips and just really just like good one minute advice. I highly recommend. I'm going to put her information on the show notes and you guys can contact her directly. Thank um, you very much. Um, By the way, it goes right back. Okay. Raquel has the best. And, and you know, I wouldn't do this podcast if I didn't love Raquel and think so highly of you. So thank you, ma'am. It's always a pleasure to really work with people that I respect and, and think are adding so much. And there's so much to do in this world, you know, like I, I think, and this is, we're totally going off topic here, but I remember when I was younger, I always felt like, oh, if two people want to do the same thing, we're competition. You know, it's like a very 18 year old mentality. And I think that part of like maturing in life is to realize there is so much work out there. There's so much there to do that when you find somebody who is like you and wants the same goals, it's like, that's gold. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there is so much to do. So, um, and there's it, no competition. There's enough out there and everybody has their own little niche. And yeah, so I, I agreed. So, okay, let's move on to the fourth thing that could come up. So we discuss communication, expectations, independence. And I think the last one that we're going to discuss now before we get to all the questions is um, finances, money. So finances is obviously a huge one because this is so personal. Everybody has their own relationship with money. 
some people are savers, some people are spenders. And especially if you've been um, single for a while, you're just used to, you know, I can do what I want with my money. I earned it. If I want to spend, I'll spend. If I want to save, I'll save. But all of a sudden you're having these two people come together and they're sharing a life together. And now you have to sort of mesh the two styles. That's where some people get a little bit tripped up. But you know what? Like you said before, it's all about communication, communication. You can make the two styles work, you know, whether it's, um, having separate accounts plus a joint account, if that works for you, or just having joint accounts, each couple has to discuss between themselves what will work because what works for one couple doesn't necessarily work for another couple. Yeah, and this is a topic, not a surprise to anyone, that I encourage people to speak about when they're engaged um, or even before getting engaged. And again, it's just, it's not like you're discussing what's budget. You don't even know what budget looks like. You, you're not living together. But just the concept of like, what's your expectation in terms of spending, you know, whether it is um, buying stuff every month, you know, for fun, like for your own hobbies, you know, or, or clothing. Again, when you're single and you've been spending your own money, you could buy a $500 dress and not think twice, you know, like um, how are purchases going to be made? Are we going to discuss them beforehand? You know, am I going to have to come to you or are you coming to each other? Is there a certain amount that it doesn't matter how much we spend, but then if we go over, say, $100, then we have to discuss it? I actually did a whole episode of financial intimacy, talking about money and uh, and all the things to discuss. And, you know, people have said to me, but what happens if you disagree? It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you can't disagree. You're just learning to communicate. Yeah, you don't have to have the same spending habits. You don't even have to have the same expectation. You know, I'll tell you where I have seen it become an issue is let's say the guy comes from a home where the father managed all the money. I don't mean that he controlled the money. I mean, he managed it, right? And the mother, before any big purchase, would just ask the father, oh, can I buy this? Can I buy that? There was no control issue. There was no... Uh, the mother feeling, you know, oh, I'm I'm stuck. Not not at all. It was just I manage the money. And let's say the girl comes from a home where the parents have separate bank accounts, and they, you know, they they split certain bills, and then they each have their own savings, and that's just what they came into. If you don't discuss that beforehand, and then you get married, and then you make a purchase, and your husband says, "How could you spend that without asking me?" All of a sudden, the girl's like, "Oh my god." Is, is he controlling? Like, is he trying to, to, to tell me how to spend my money? And he didn't even mean it like that. Like, he just meant it as like, what do you mean in my house? The father, you know, takes care of the finances. So it could lead to a lot of miscommunication when you could just talk about it. Yeah, so I actually heard a great story um, about this. A couple gets married and a couple of weeks into the marriage, the husband leaves an envelope on the kitchen counter with $100 for the wife. And he wrote, dear, whatever, um, you know, enjoy, spend this on something nice. I love you. Have a great day, whatever. She got up and she saw it and she freaked out. She says, what is this? Like, he's trying to control me. He's, he's telling me I could only spend $100. What if I want to spend $120? Like, because... In her house, the father was very controlling with the, with the money. And she told herself, I do not want to live like that. He, on the other hand, couldn't even understand why she was upset because 
he was trying to be nice. He's giving her a hundred dollars. He didn't mean to control her and say you could only spend a hundred dollars. So it's it's about communication and about realizing that you're both coming from different angles. So if something bothers you, just um talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And this actually comes back to what we're saying about you know, the first language, second language. What you grew up with is what you think is normal. And you might say, but why do I have to communicate it? It's just basic. It's normal. It's normal to you because in your home, that's how things were done. But I, again, encourage these conversations should happen to whatever broad extent before getting married. And if when you get married, you know, you realize, hey, we're not on the same page. So you know what? Maybe we should have a conversation about finances. Like, let's discuss expectations and how we're going to set up our accounts, you know, and, and you could have a conversation. Does it mean that it will lead to fighting or to like, oh my gosh, I have to leave this person. It just means that you're going to figure out what will work for you guys together. Exactly. And, and one, one quick thing I want to just add, and then we'll move on is it's never too late to have a discussion. If you didn't do it while dating, if you didn't do it the first month, two months, six months, even three, four years later, it's never too late. I, I love that you said that because sometimes the conversations do happen three, four, five years later. And, and that's because you realize, hey, all the issues we're having is because we didn't have that conversation, exactly. you know? And, um, okay, let's, since we're talking about all these things that could go wrong, what, what should you reach out for help? Let's say that you're a newlywed and you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, like we're having so many issues is it embarrassing to reach out to somebody? Should I reach out after a month, six months, a year? Like what's a normal amount of time when you feel like you should reach out to somebody? So that's a great question. So I have a motto. When in doubt, reach out because it's not embarrassing. Worst comes to worst, the person that you're reaching out to, whether it's your cousin teacher or college teacher, whether it's a coach or mentor, whoever it is, they will tell you, you're normal, everything's okay, don't worry about it. But if there really is an issue that needs to be addressed, rather do it sooner than later. Don't wait till, it's like the snowball effect. Don't wait till things get out of hand to reach out. So when in doubt, reach out. If something's bothering you, reach out because if it's nothing, they'll tell you. And again, we're normalizing that there are struggles, there are difficulties. That's quite normal. So, but, but, okay. Having said that, you should definitely reach out if there's any form of abuse, whether it is verbal, emotional, physical, sexual, whatever it is, any type of abuse, for sure you should reach out. Don't wait. Yeah. I, I, I love how, how you phrased it. And, you know, Again, we're not trying to freak you out into like, oh, it's going to be a hard year. And it could be hard year and also a fun year. You could have this dichotomy of like, I'm struggling, but I'm also really enjoying being married. And that's okay. And, you know, I, I actually heard this advice when it came to when should you reach out when you have fears about fertility? And the answer is whenever you feel like you have a fear for fertility, <laughs> meaning at whatever point you say, oh my gosh, did I make a mistake? right? Like, am I, is this normal? Is what he's doing normal? And, you know, kind of like how Miriam was saying how, you know, even before you get married, there's a lot of things you don't even know to discuss, right? Even when we tell you discuss expectations, there's things that like are just going to come up. You don't know. 
there are so many things that even a college teacher can't warn you about that can't, you know, we can't give every scenario when we're coaching people, whether it is dating coaching or relationship coaching or intimacy coaching, we can't give you every scenario where it couldn't work out. If you feel uncomfortable, you know, and I really do believe this, like, I think your body really does talk to you, you know, when, when you come back from a date and you just feel, I don't feel good. Like I feel nauseous. My, and, and not because you're normally your baseline is that you're an anxious person. I'm talking about where your baseline is quote unquote normal and your body's reacting in a way that you're uncomfortable. Let's say that you're with your spouse and they ask you to do something that you're uncomfortable about. And that could be as simple as something that's private or something that's like going to an in-laws house when you don't feel comfortable or something like that. Reach out to somebody. Right. Why am I uncomfortable? What's bothering me? Is this normal? A lot of times you will not know what's normal because it's private. No one is, you know, discussing all these little things in public. Absolutely. And I was going to say this at the end, you know, because there was one of the questions, what's the best advice? So I'm just going to throw it in here because you said private. Your marriage has to stay private. So what I mean by that is you do not discuss your private issues with your friends, with anybody. If there's an issue, you only speak to a professional, whether it's your husband, teacher, college, like I said before, all those people. But you do not discuss your private life with your friends. It has to stay private. Yeah, I, I will just add something here because, you know, a lot of times college teachers will say, don't tell your mom, don't tell your mom, don't tell your mom. I actually don't believe that. And I know that that's, you know, it's an opinion. And I think there's different things you could tell or not. And it depends a lot on what your relationship with your mom is. But I think that if you have a close relationship with your mother and it is something that's really basic, a lot of times just calling her, if that's the relationship that you have, she could say, oh, honey, that's normal. Like, you know, wait till you hear what your father did to me you know, on the first year of marriage or whatever. You have, obviously there's some topics that are more comfortable. There's some relationships that are more comfortable, but I, I don't believe in the rule of don't tell your mother anything. Yes. Your mother will always take your side, but if, if you have a relationship with your parents that is open and that they're going to be looking at the big picture, you know, not just looking at you as an individual, like, oh my gosh, she's a horrible husband. I, I do think it can be a very powerful relationship to develop. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody has to know their own relationship and their own life. So I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that if you have the correct relationship with your parents, it's okay to talk to them, but you want to just be careful, like not, to call them up crying every time you have a little argument with your husband or wife, because it's going to start, you know, discoloring the way that they're going to look at their son-in-law or daughter-in-law. You don't want that. So, you know, use it with, yeah. with caution. And I'm going to tell you a tip. I think the best thing is to have a friend um, once you're married, you know, who's also married, who are both marriage minded. Okay. And who are both looking at the big picture. They're not trying to get you to convince you to leave your husband, nothing like that. And you could just vent to them because a lot of times it's just getting it out, you know? And as long as the person is marriage minded, I think it could be healthy. I think when you first get married, it's very hard to know who that person is or how to, you know, stay focused on the big picture, not just like all the little tiny things. Um, but I think at some point, you know, that could come along. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. Venting is good. What I, I meant before is 
you don't, even if you're venting, if I'm having a hard time, you know, things are just a little bit rocky. You don't have to get into specifics, especially when it comes to your intimate life. I think people nowadays love to just talk. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So, okay to vent, but you don't have to be specific. Yeah. And if you have a question about that, reach out to people. <laughs> you know, like, like, like I mentioned, both Miriam and I do intimacy coaching. It is meant to be good. It is meant to, to be healthy. Um, and a lot of times it's things that can be fixed really early on, or even if not early on, even 10 years later, believe it or not. I'm sure Miriam can, can attest to this. Never too late. Never too late. And you should definitely, you know, reach out to somebody. Yeah. So now I want to get to the questions that people posted and we're going to try to get through them like as quickly as possible. Just kind of give, you know, quick answers. The first one is how to deal with fighting or just the first fight in general. So I don't know that it really matters. The first fight, the second fight, the hundredth fight, every couple's going to have their conflict and their argument. So again, normalizing it, but very important to stay with the I statements. I feel I need, you're not attacking. The next thing is when you, your spouse is talking, really listen, really, really listen, you know, give them the time to express themselves and, you know, to, to, to listen, try to avoid always and never statements. Um, you always do this. Do they really always do that? Or you never help me with that or whatever. Nobody's always or never doing something. Another thing that I want to um, add to this conflict thing, don't bring up past history. Stick to the argument that you're having about the topic that you're having. Don't start bringing everything else into it. You know, stick to the topic. Yeah, Miriam really said it all. I will just add, I heard this from one of my teachers that her, uh, Masada Kadushin told them, Rabbi Tursky from YU, he said, when you're arguing, hold hands. If you're able to, allegedly, hold hands. Okay. He said, it will remind you of who you're fighting against. You know, this is your spouse. You're going to have disagreements. If you're able to hold hands, um, speak respectfully to each other and all the tips that, that Miriam said. Um, I just read something great that you have to think about it like you're on the same team, but it's more than that. You're two wings on the same bird. That's really what marriage is about. I love that. Two wings on the same bird. Love that. You know why I love that also? Because you still have your own individuality. You still yeah. have the aspect, but we're on a team together. And, you know, one of the things I've told people when they've said like, but how do you, let's say you're, you're having a fight and you want to just leave the shopper's table, but the kids are there and you don't want to fight in public. But like, how do you keep it together when you're upset with your spouse and you're in public, you know? What I say to them is you focus on what you build together because what you build together is bigger and more important than what personal issue I am having as an individual. So I love that because that's the truth. You're each wings and the focus is this plane has to fly. You know, this, this bird has to continue. And if one wing stops flapping, the whole structure falls apart. So even yeah. when we're struggling, we're focused on the big picture of what we build together. Yeah, I love that. that. I'm, I'm going to start quoting you, Miriam, with, with that bird analogy. Okay, next question. Um, balancing. Balancing um, everything. Old life, new life, friends, uh, how much time you spend together. I, I feel like we kind of discussed this a little bit already. I, basically, we, we did discuss it. I'll just quickly um, review that it's important to 
you know, spend time with your spouse, building a new life, but don't give up on your old life. Don't give up on your friends, your hobbies, your interests, your, your career, anything that, that you were building. Don't give up on it. Yeah. I think life is a balance in general. Even when you're single, you're balancing dating, work, yada, yada. And I think give yourself room to figure it out. It's okay if the first month, six months, you know, you're, you're spending more time with your spouse than you are with your friends or with family. And then you kind of adjust, you know, that's kind of grandma's middle path. You know, you go to one extreme to figure out the middle. So I feel like give yourself room to say, I'm not sure what that balance is going to look like. It might change in year one, year two, year three, and we're going to, we're going to work through it. Yeah. Not might change. It will change, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, next question is dealing with differences. How do you, how do you deal with differences in, in a marriage? We will sound like a broken record, but communication, 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 there will be differences from the small things. How, like the cliche, how do I want to roll up my toothpaste, right? Or the toilet seat up or down, all these silly things, but just communicate. You're going to have differences. You're going to have different um, way of wanting to, to raise a family and everything. Just talk about it. And yeah. I, one quick thing, like if you do have differences, if there's something that one of you feels more strongly about, give in, you know, there's always going to be things that you're going to, you know, feel differently about. But if one feels more strongly, then try to give in. Yeah, it's all about just finding a balance, you know, and at the end of the day, you're not changing anyone. The differences will be there. Whatever differences are there year one will be there year 50. There's a sham by all of us. You know, the differences don't go away. It's just a matter of living with the differences. I think the problem becomes when we focus on differences, we try to fight it out and say, if I only I could just convince him to do things differently, it's not going to work. You know, I remember um, my college teacher telling me, you look with one eye, you hear with one ear. You know, you ignore half the stuff. Yeah. You <laughs> you will be happier that way. The differences are there. Um, obviously, if it's a not negotiable difference, ideally you saw it and reflected on it before marriage. But after marriage, it is what it is. I mean, just from the basic of he's a man and you're a woman, that's a huge difference in itself. Um, but all the other little differences, you know, he's more introverted, I'm more extroverted. That's what they are. And you know what's interesting? A lot of times what attracts you to the person is also what drives you crazy about the person. And, and we tend to forget this. You know, we tend to forget, oh, I love the fact that he was so extroverted and, and, and spontaneous. And then you're married and you're like, oh, he's so extroverted. Like, I just want to sit at home or whatever. But you love that about him, you know? So it's kind of, it's it's interesting how the differences yeah, yeah. are also attracting him. For sure, I agree with you. I actually just did a slide about this, about the yin-yang of, of personality types. If you're curious about it, check out my Instagram. It's, it's I saw that. Great. Yeah. I told you guys, you have to get her your status. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't trying that. to toot my own horn, but this one was a good one. Okay, the, the last question, and this is an interesting one, was how to deal with opposite gender friendships. You know, everything ranging, ranging from hosting co-ed meals to going out with other couples. Um, what if you're already friends with couples before marriage? What if you have friends of the same gender before marriage? Kind of how to handle the gender friendships. I know that it's a very broad topic. It's very broad and it's also very like personal. In, in other words, everybody will have a different thing. So 
I am actually, surprisingly enough, very old-fashioned with this one. I believe you have to proceed with caution. And and I am extremely open-minded. Whoever knows me knows that I'm not sheltered. I'm very open-minded. I'm very out there. But when it comes to friendships with the opposite gender, you really, really have to proceed with caution because there's so many ways in which it can affect the marriage. First of all, comparison. Even if you're not going to like do anything inappropriate or flirt or anything, you're just comparing. Um, but not only that, it's it it can lead to unhealthy unhealthy things. So I I say you don't have to drop your other gender friends, but you have to proceed with caution and about spending like Shabbos meals together as couples. You know, if it works for you, great. You might not want to do it right away in the beginning of your marriage. You you first want to build a solid foundation. Once, you know, you're married for a while and you have kids and the, all the kids can be friends. That's a little bit of a different story. But yeah, I'm old fashioned on this. I think I think you have to be careful. Yeah. And look, obviously, it's also an Ashkafa question, you know, depending on what circle you're in and what's normal to you. That also that also plays up. You know, I, I will just say that again, we're keeping this very general terms because we're not speaking to an individual or something like that, is that the natural progression of having an emotional connection with somebody is a physical connection. That is just how things progress when it's opposite gender. Now, I'm not going to say that because you connected to another female, it will lead to something. It might not lead to it, but that will be the nature of it. And I think that when you get married, it's really important to make your spouse feel like they are the connection that you are choosing to invest in. Because at the end of the day, marriage and happiness in a marriage is a choice. It's a choice that you make every single day and you're choosing to connect to them. And I think the biggest pain comes from a spouse feeling like they're choosing to connect with somebody else, right? Imagine that the guy comes home and he's like, oh, I'm gonna call my, my girlfriend to tell her about like my day. Wow, he's choosing to connect with somebody else who is not me. So that's kind of like the, the general advice. Again, very general that I would give. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I yeah, have nothing to add, but it's it's proceed with caution. This has honestly been an amazing talk. And I want to end with each of us sharing the best tip for having a successful Shana Rishona and beyond. I'm only allowed one tip. I have so many. I'm gonna try to do this really fast, but I have you can just do as many as you want, Miriam. You know me. I once I start talking, I don't stop. But just a, a few things. First of all, I said this before: never, ever, ever compare. Your spouse has their unique um, qualities, and what works for you, what they give to you, might not be what another spouse is giving to their to their spouse. But never, ever compare. Another thing, and I know this sounds like crazy advice. Never put yourself down to your to your spouse. I'm so fat or I'm no good at this or I'm so terrible because the more you say it, they're going to start believing it. So never, ever put yourself down. And the third thing that I want to say, never make fun of your spouse in front of other people. It might just be a joke and you say, oh, I'm just joking. And, and they could laugh about it. And even if it's true, even if it's funny, never ever make fun of your spouse in front of other people, ever. Guys, this, this advice is gold. <laughs> you summed it, you summed it all up. Um, I just wanna add one thing. You know, I think the best advice for men and for women is to guard your eyes, 
then product yourself. You know, I think that when it comes, you know, people think, oh, when I'm married, I won't notice anything else. Being married doesn't make you blind. <laughs> you know, on the contrary, you might notice more things now because you understand certain things better. I think for guys, be honest with yourself. You know, if, if a co-ed meal, we discussed a little bit, you find yourself checking out your, your friend's wife and she's so beautiful, maybe don't spend so much time with them. You know, look away, guard your eyes. I'm not just talking about inappropriate stuff. I'm talking about even inappropriate settings. Look at your spouse. It is a choice to look at your spouse and to guard your eyes. And for women who tend to do this more in an emotional sense of, oh, look how he is with his wife. Or my friend called me and told me X, Y, and Z. And this actually relates to what you were saying, Miriam, of keeping your relationship private. Nobody has to know all the cute things your husband does for you. This isn't like hashtag best husband ever. Let me post all the cute things. I know that it's exciting and you want to share it, but you don't realize when you share it you know, the Aina that you could give, but also the jealousy that you could bring in somebody who doesn't have that. So I think keep the relationship private. It is meant to be private. You know, in Spanish, being married is called casados, which you could break it up into casa de dos, a house of two. It's not a house of three, a four, a five. There's two people in that house and you really have to protect it. And obviously, last but not least, hashtag love yourself. You have to keep your self-esteem throughout your marriage. When you invest in yourself, you are more attractive. You love yourself. You want to look good. Guess what? Your spouse will find you more attractive. If you're a happy person because you are fulfilling the needs of your neshama, you are going to attract your spouse a lot more. So, wow, what an episode, I think. <laughs> Thank you again, Miriam, for, for joining and for sharing of your wisdom and of your time. And like I said, I am going to put all of her contact information on the show notes so you guys can contact her directly. Thank you so much, Miriam, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure as always. And thank you everyone who's listening and we'll talk soon. Mm -hmm.